Hello and welcome to the Community Church Podcast, where we want to equip and empower people for life together with Jesus. On this podcast, we'll be talking with lots of different people from all walks of life to help us in our discipleship to Him. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to this podcast with Deb Nolan. We are going to be talking to her about how she has become a counsellor, really, and uh, what that means for many people. The issue of mental health is something that is uh, very prevalent in these days. Uh, We know that uh, guys like Prince William have done a lot to kind of raise awareness of this. Um, and uh, maybe this will be helpful to some of us just to give a bit of framework to what counselling actually is. Maybe it's a bit of a taboo. Um, and Deb does a great job at just helping us to understand. Uh, in part of it as well, she talks us, talks to us about how she's gone into a bit of a creative streak and how that can help uh, in the counselling sphere. So we hope that you enjoy this podcast. Take it away. Last time you were with us, you uh, mentioned that uh, right at the beginning, actually, that you got into counselling, talked about a guy called Malcolm who had kind of got you started on that journey. Um, counselling is something, um, I suppose, is a bit more common and prevalent now, particularly in this day and age where mental health is um, not quite so taboo as it has been. Uh, it's far more talked about, and I know lots of people have... Um, got good things from all of that and could you just tell us a bit about how you got into counselling and just walk us through some of that stuff there okay so fast track back to Tenerife (laughs) Um, I was a new Christian the church in Tenerife well Tenerife is an island so there's nothing there Um, so they used to fly in their their speakers Um, and there was a guy called Malcolm Worsley who came um, with another guy called John Irwin and they would come for a week and do seminars and talks and things um, and he was actually my husband's spiritual dad um, so he took me under his wing he was just at that time establishing a counselling model and a counselling organisation um, so I was really drawn to it so back then in Tenerife I did a 50 hour level 1 training course um, but at that point, my life had been nothing but hunky-dory. I'd had a great childhood. I'd spent 10 years at sea, living a life of Riley, coming to Tenerife, all loved up, going to get married, everything's rosy. Uh, nothing really bad had happened to me. Um, and I kind of think that I needed to have some life before I could counsel people, because where do you get... I suppose I was a tad empathic, but certainly not experienced. Um so when my marriage broke up and I came back to England, um, we actually ran a level one training course here and I had another go. Uh, but at that point, the company, the trust weren't able to do the next level. Um, and so it wasn't until probably about 2012. So I got here in 2001, dabbled with counseling for like 10 odd years took up hairdressing and then found, I was driving past another church actually and saw Philippi counselling 
And I was like, how dare there be a Philippi counselling without me in it? <laughs> Philippi was the name of Malcolm's charity. Okay. Um, so I went in and I said, how long have you been here and why didn't I know? Because I feel like I'm a Philippi person. Um, and so I started training again. Okay. Um, and this time around, it was God's timing because in the level four diploma, which is two years, we ha- each year we had a, week's, um, a week away where you had a week of, of people with the course together. Okay. I've forgotten the word of that now. Um, like a retreat kind of thing? Yes, yeah. kind of, yeah. Um, and I couldn't have done that when the kids were younger. But this time I could because the kids were older. <laughs> um, so I left them at home. It was only in Blackpool. Um, so they were old enough to stay at home and do it. So I qualified um, in 2016. And for me, counselling is an extension of God. Although it's not evangelism in any shape or form, yeah. it's healing the brokenhearted. Mm-hmm. It's 100% healing the, the brokenhearted. And it is such a privilege um, when people tell you their things that they let you in to their world. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see them come in in one state and they leave sometime later a different person. Uh, it's the most rewarding thing there is mm-hmm. um, to know that you can actually impact somebody's life for good um, without telling them what to do because you don't advise you just listen but it's not just listening with half a head it's listening with your body and listening with your whole self um, and I think in society we don't get that now not very often mm-hmm. uh, phones are a distraction a lot of the time okay. um, you used to be able to pour your heart out to your neighbour over the garden fence. Now everyone's at work. In my neighbourhood, we are like ships that pass in the night most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while I was learning to counsel um, and experiencing being taught, you kind of get counselled yourself. Okay. And so the personal development from level two at the beginning to the end of the diploma four years later you've had several lots of open heart surgery um, and you get very close with your peers Mm. um, and you see their journey and you share your journeys together and so I was like I want to do this I love I would love to teach this and take people on that journey how was it um, being so vulnerable I know you're being quite vulnerable here um, recording all of this but doing that open heart surgery Figuratively speaking, um, uh, I know there'd be many people that would initially be like, "Ooh, I don't want to show that to other people. How was that for you? Well, initially it is because you're in a room of strangers. Mm. Um, but even after the first year, you've bonded with those people. And then a lot of them go forward to the next level. Not everybody does, but and you might get the odd new one come in. Um but because they're being vulnerable okay. and because the teacher is teaching counselling skills, using counselling skills, she encourages you or they encourage you to get what you can out of it. Okay. And the training is that you are modelling counselling. Um, and so you will get out of it what you put into it. So if you decide that you're not going to share your things, um, A, you're... you're preventing yourself from growing but then you're preventing your peers from having proper counselling experience because you're not 
opening up. Mm. Um, and if you hadn't opened up, the tutor would address it okay. privately and take you aside and like, why, what is it that you, yeah, why aren't you... Counsel you privately. Yeah, why aren't you mm. letting yourself be vulnerable? Mm. Um, because you're going to be expecting your clients to be vulnerable. So how can you expect them to if you're not prepared to? Mm. That's a good point. Um, so it was really good. And the personal development, uh, part of the training is you have to go for 10 sessions of counselling. Okay. And I'm like, I don't <laughs> need counselling. I'm fine. Um, but I went to reach counselling. I saw a lady who was here in the other room. Mm-hmm. Um, and on about the third session, she referred to something that I'd said in the first session. And I was like, oh, you were listening, weren't you? And she got me. She was like, right on the head, right on the money. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I give in. <laughs> uh, it was a really, really good experience um, in a perverse way because counseling can be painful. You know, it can be emotional. You can sob through the whole session. Uh, it's exhausting. You come out the other side tired, drained, really selling it here. Um, but it's a process, and you so you have your counselling session, and then through the week you think back on it and what did the counsellor say, and something pops into your head, and like, I must tell them that next time, and so you journey with it. It's a it's a proper journey, okay. um, and you you do it yourself. The counsellor is a facilitator. Okay. Really, they're not advising or suggesting. It's just fishing. Mm. They're fishing. Um, is it a um, a draining thing for a counsellor as well as the person being counselled? What's your kind of experience with that? Um, not draining. You have to concentrate because you're giving an hour, 50 minutes to an hour of total, absolute, fixed focus on this person mm-hmm. and you've got to listen to what they're saying mm-hmm. you've got to remember stuff uh, that's maybe you don't want to bring it up now but you want to bring it up at some point okay. um, and holding them you're holding them you're holding their heart in your hands really mm-hmm. when they're emotional you have to shut up and let them cry and let them have that space to think it through um, I wouldn't say it's draining but it's it's tiring yeah okay yeah I can sort of do, I could do two or three sessions back to back, but then I'd need a break. Okay. We um, were messaging a few days ago on the back of a podcast that was released talking with Sue Gregg. Oh, yes. Um, who is a legend in every sense of the word. <laughs> and uh, she was talking about creativity. And uh, you were telling me st- some stuff that I had no idea in terms of how inspiring you towards creativity. Um, and how you started to use that creativity and visual aids and all that kind of stuff mm. within your counselling. Just uh, talk to us a bit about talk, talk to us a bit about what happened with Sue and then how that kind of journeyed into the counselling narrative. Yeah, she um, approached me and a whole bunch of other people a few years ago. Um, She was doing her degree, as she mentioned, her master's. Mm -hmm. And her thesis was about why don't people like art galleries? So she picked on people who would never go to an art gallery and may just go to an art gallery 
and report on our experience. And I was one of those people. Um, I haven't got the patience for art galleries, is, is the honest truth. Um, so I went to the art gallery and I'd walk into a room and I could stand, you know, I'd do a peripheral march, two minutes, done, next room. Um, what I discovered was that there were one or two pieces that I thought, oh, I like that. Why do I like that? And I would sort of go closer and look to see what was going on. And then there was a load of stuff about, well, I just do not like that at all. Portraits, not interested. Dogs, cats, horses, <laughs> not interested. Um, stormy seas, love those. <laughs> Clouds, you know, atmosphere and stuff like that. Um, but the overwhelming sense when I'd done it all was that actually I'd rather do the painting. Mm. So I want to try this. Um, I suppose I've, I have had creativity, mm. but just didn't realise that, that it was there. Because okay. um, hairdressing, you kind of have to be a bit creative, I suppose, yeah. um, and colours and colour matching and stuff. Um, so I... Well, surely there was a creative kind of urge in you... Oh. What's the word? That adventuring spirit as well. Where well, you sailed the seas for ten fucking years, didn't you? So there's that. Um, I guess that's why you like clouds and stormy seas. And yeah. All that kind of thing as well. So there's there's that kind of something. Yeah, you. something inside. I think my eyes. It's my eyes. I see things yeah. that please me. If that makes sense. Um, and art-wise, I'm drawn to touchy-feely. So if there's anything that is texture or, okay. um, you know, you get paint, uh, oil paints that are big grooves and chunks and yeah. sweeps and things, um, that's, I, I immediately, I'm over there with my hands, like, let me feel what that feels like. <laughs> uh, I'm the same with, with fabrics, anything like that. It's like, okay. I want to feel, I have to feel it first. Um... So that's kind of what I was drawn to, but I've never had, I haven't had much time to be fair, yeah. to, to dabble. Um, I bought some prints of some of the things that I saw at the art museum. Don't tell Sue. Um, and they're in my house and I love, I love them. Mm. Um, but it's only really been since lockdown that I've had the chance to do practical art. Oh, right. Um, Going back to the counselling momentarily, yeah. the the model of counselling I use is, is quite integrative um, and there's some great tools that, of timelines and pictures and things um, and I love to use those in counselling. So again, I, I suppose that is that visual creative yeah. side, but people are creative. Hmm. Um, if I get a timeline out and say, okay, so you were, draw a line, you were this old here, and then this is this time on this side, um, put in some stuff. Uh, and they talk while they're doing it. And they, you can see it, it makes much more sense. Hmm. Well, to me it does. To be able to see something on a piece of paper gives you such clarity. And some of my best penny drop moments with clients have been when they've seen something. Um, and they're just like, oh my gosh. That's what is what I've said, isn't it? Um, so I love using visual, visual, visual aids. I suppose you'd call them in counselling. Um, kids do it all the time. Play therapy. It's they talk and draw and play with sand. Grown ups are just big kids. <laughs> we still like drawing and playing in sand. Um, but yeah, going back to the art side, 
um, the I've had time. Uh, at Christmas, I decided I was definitely going to do art this year, just something for me, because I'd worked really hard. I was exhausted after teaching um, a, a level three counselling course, fast track. It was really hard work, and I thought, I need a rest, and I need something for me. So Santa bought me lots of paintings, things. That was good of him. It was very good of him. It was on my list. <laughs> Um, and I probably haven't really had much of a chance to do it until now, till March. So yeah. I've only really started arting in March, and I'm just having a great time. Were you creative as a as a kid growing up? Uh, probably, hmm. but not. I didn't encourage myself. My brother, I have an older brother. Uh, he's a genius. He's a professor. He's a talented musician. Um, my sister is arty, she, she can sing and but there must be music in here somewhere mm -hmm. um, because I can sing, not as well as I used to be, but I can sing, I can play instruments and stuff. So there is that creativity there. I dabbled on my travels, learnt to weld, I suppose that's creative, <laughs> oh, wow. yeah. welded my boss a Christmas card one year um, and did an art class I think when I lived in Jersey, but it's only ever... I don't know, I'm, I don't have much faith in myself as a person. I'm, I've always been like the black sheep, okay. trouble, the, here comes trouble, rather than the, oh, let, I must show you some of Deborah's work. Uh, no, that wasn't me. <laughs> um, so Sue has actually been a great encourager. Um, even when I've shown her like my first door brings up I Sue look at this and she's like oh, that's incredible and she's given me the courage to do some more Great. and to try something else and uh, she's she would not have it and she's probably cringing if she's listening to this <laughs> but she is such an encourager mm. um, and she's inspired me because of her artwork uh, her journey of doing her masters and the curating and her passion kind of contagious mm. if you get next to her rubs off yeah um so i at the minute i'm dabbling with pouring acrylics mm -hmm. and um molding with putty and all sorts of things um and it's really therapeutic okay. um i i had looked at doing art therapy mm -hmm. uh but you have to have a master's okay. to be an art therapist um, I don't know if I've got enough time left in my life to be an art therapist, but uh, it's given me a new respect, I think, for the art therapists okay. because for me it's been um, not just playing, it's been a cathartic, experience. a cathartic experience. And now, if I, I mean, I don't know what you've been like in this, you're like a roller coaster. So some days it's like, yes, I'm going to spring clean, I'm going to paint all the fence panels. Other days it's like, meh. <laughs> just don't want to know mm -hmm. um, and on those days I the art room is Aaron's old bedroom because okay. he is in Hannah's old bedroom so we have a spare room which is next to my room and I can't even walk past the door now oh, and wow. I drift into the room and I could drift out two hours later oh, wow. um, but it is absolute therapy it's absolute therapy because you have to concentrate on what you're doing mm. uh, it's relaxing no one's judging you, you're expressing yourself, um, it's peaceful. I found the best two hour piano uh, Hillsong YouTube thing and I just have 
hill song playing in the background and I'm in my little happy space. Have you spoken to Shemi about it? She's um, doing a master's in that kind of art therapy. Is she indeed? I have not, no. Should um, follow her on Instagram. She um, posts stuff in her story of some of the things that she's doing. I will. So she's worth worth talking to. She was going to um, do one in our... She was telling me about something where she did some art therapy um, and it just sounded really great in terms of character development. I said, well, you do that in Connect Group. Mm. <laughs> uh, and then lockdown hit, so we couldn't do it, yeah. unfortunately. But she's really open to that kind of stuff. So yeah. She's worth talking to. I will to. sleuth her out. Sleuth her out. I will there sleuth it is. her out. <laughs> yeah. Your detective skills are back again, Deb. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think, though, the... <laughs> The biggest thing is that whatever you're doing, it's never too late. Mm. I mean, I was 40-something when I trained to be a hairdresser. Mm. Uh, I was 61 when I started painting. I was 45 when I trained as a counsellor. Um, it, you know, it's just not too late. It's never too late. And with God, life is just one big adventure. Yeah. Um, you know, and there are so many applications, like the people that you meet... They're a harvest field, aren't they? Yeah. Of people, friendships, people you can talk to. Um, and I think creativity is put within us mm. by God. I mean, goodness, he created all this, didn't he? <laughs> you know, he's the most creative one there is. It would be natural that we are creative. Yeah. Um, and I would just say to anyone, even if you're even listening and thinking, oh, I'd love to have a go at that, just have a go. Just buy a box of primary colours and a brush and some paper and, and go give it a bash mm. give it a bash yeah because you can't it can't be not good mm. it, it can't be not good If there's anybody listening and um, they're going, oh, I don't know, maybe I need to do that. Is is there like a, I don't know, is there like a... <laughs> are there rules? Are there rules, <laughs> yeah. How, what, what are the criteria for somebody to need counselling? Does that make sense? It does make sense. Um... Do, do you get people coming to you that you go, why, why are you here, you don't need counselling? Or is it something that everybody should really go through? Um yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say anybody, everybody needs it. I, everybody has trauma. Mm. Uh, you only have to lose a parent, mm. you know, which is the most natural thing in the world because we all will. Yeah. Um, and you have an issue. You know, there is bereavement in your life. Mm. Uh, it, it can't be avoided. But for me, the need for counselling is if something gets you stuck and the loss is actually impacting your day-to-day life. Okay. Um, so my model of counselling that I was trained in is a, is a Christian model um, but it talks about the loss of peace loss of peace with yourself loss of peace with your neighbour and loss of peace with God um, even if you're not a Christian you lose peace with yourself and lose peace with your neighbour as a consequence and so if whatever it is is taking up a lot of your time okay. thinking about it um, counselling can help and you said, you said, I think last time we were together about the stigma that isn't the same stigma. 
uh, and thanks to the royal family half the time there is way less stigma there there is still some mm -hmm. uh, and judgmentalism um, and I think in church um, and I am going to say this out loud there can be a sense that if you go forward for prayer and you're not healed of your mental health issue um, it must be because you're, you haven't got faith for it or you just need to go forward again and again and again and you're not healed and then you think well I'm not going forward anymore because people are going to think I should be healed by now um, and so you turn it in on yourself and it just compounds how you feel about yourself in the first place yeah. um, many many things can be healed by God and I know mental health can also be healed by God but it isn't always so mm. um, and so if you're suffering with something, anxiety say, and you're not healed first time and second time and third time that you go forwards, then you give stigma to yourself. You stigmatise yourself because you think it's your fault and it can impact your relationship with God then because mm. you think, well, have I done something wrong? Am I not being healed? Um, and so there is a place for church, there's a place for prayer, and for me there is a definitive place for counselling as well. Because, as I said before, for me, counselling is healing the brokenhearted. Mm. Um, and as a Christian, I bring the Holy Spirit in with me. Um, he gives me words of knowledge yeah. when I'm counselling. Oh, well. You say something and, you're, and you just can't believe what happens. Um, and so it's a place to get your peace back. Um, and, and all it is is talking. It's not hocus-pocus. There's no bed you know, no, you're not made to lie down on the couch and talk about your childhood. It's a place where um, you are respected, you're listened to, and you're given worth for that portion of time by somebody who really cares mm. and focuses on you. And because you have that dedicated time, you can, and feel safe, if you feel safe with a counsellor, you can go to those places that, and say the things that you need to say yeah. without being judged and w and without feeling condemned in any way um, and it, it sets people free mm. I've just seen it so many times Christians and non-Christians it just sets you free uh, there's great power even outside of counselling there's great power in sharing something with another person yeah um, but it's in that I just needed to get something off my chest yeah it? it's it's built into our language, isn't it? That means yeah. for us to... Yeah. The Bible talks about things being hidden, being brought out into the open. Yeah. And it's that. Um, left to our own devices, we've got... A, do you remember those uh, merry-go-round, those roundabout things in the park that you scoot? Yeah. Yeah, you hold onto the bars and yeah. scoot. Right, well, we've all got one of them in our heads <laughs> and we get on them and our dialogue goes round and round and we scoot round and round and we get familiar with our dialogue and we have conversations with ourselves and we agree with ourselves. Yeah. And then the counsellor comes in and jumps on that with you and puts the brakes on sometimes and says, hang on, slow down, back up. <laughs> what was that? Uh, and and here's your familiar to the counsellor is unfamiliar. And so they say, well, what's that then? Hmm. Uh, and it just makes you stop and think. And you can, you can correct your own assumptions and thoughts. It's just incredible. Hmm. It's just incredible how it works because all it is is somebody actively listening. Yeah. Um, it, it's, the, it's the person who does all the work, but the, as I said before, the counsellor is the facilitator really of just 
fishing and, and drawing out what is there, what needs to be said. Mm. And you can come in thinking, I'm coming to talk about my relationship. And then before you know it, you're talking about something else because you're the your whole person, aren't you? From birth to today, you're all of your experiences. Mm. And so you bring your all of your experiences in and it impacts everything. Uh, it's it's good. And, and I'm a firm believer that people get to the counselling room at the right time. Okay. Sometimes I've had people who have been sent or they've come because their husband says they should have counselling or their brother or their mum yeah. or the benefits people, the job centre, um, and they're not on board. Yeah. They're just not on board. And you can tell on the first session... Uh, no engagement, not committed, and they mostly don't turn up the next time. Um, but when people are ready, the first step is to like you do your self referral form online, whatever place you go to, yeah. um, and press send, and then have palpitations because you've sent the referral. But if you get to that stage, you're you're in the right place. You're heading in the right direction. It's um, the beginning of the journey. so much for listening to this particular podcast with deb nolan she's uh, she's absolutely fantastic isn't she um if you want to listen to any of our other podcasts we've got a, a bit of a backlog now so please feel free to um, listen to those ones if you haven't already if you want to get to, in touch then please email us and if you uh, want to talk further to anybody about counseling you can get in touch with the philippi trust um, we'll put their address in the show notes and hopefully you can find a bit of help there. Uh, in the meantime, we hope that you have a fantastic week and we'll see you again next time.